This podcast is intended as healthcare practitioner education only and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. I hear the same story over and over again, which is I didn't really think about it. You know, the nurse came in and already had the vaccines drawn up. It seemed like that was what was to be done that day. So I didn't really object. Certainly, it might have probably be easy for the biggest decision you probably make throughout your lifetime. If it's your child, you're the one that needs to weigh up those risks and benefits because whether there is a vaccine injury or whether you get the um, disease, there are risks on both sides. This is Bioconcepts Between Clinical Minds, the podcast that's open-minded enough to take in all sides of a clinical story. You'll hear from researchers, doctors, naturopaths, nutritionists and patients. We look at common clinical presentations through a different lens. It's open, frank and sometimes controversial. Nothing is off limits. Will it change the way you treat? We'll leave that up to you. In season one of Bioconcepts Between Clinical Minds, we look at children's health. We talk to experts in the field who will take you into their clinics and share their experience. We'll hear the inspirational stories of change from patients and their families along their healing journey. I'm Tony Chambers, and this is Bioconcepts Between Clinical Minds. Over the next two episodes of Between Clinical Minds, we brave the topic of childhood vaccinations to try to provide a guide on how to traverse the issue with parents. We speak to US paediatrician, Dr. Elizabeth Mumper, naturopath, Amanda Howe, and a parent who has navigated the space with his own children. The topic of childhood immunizations is extremely emotive and controversial, almost like the old adage, never talk about religion or politics at a dinner party, we can now add vaccination to that list. The aim of this episode is to explore the topic and provide some guidance on how to work with patients regardless of their decision. Dr. Elizabeth Mumper is a well-known integrative paediatrician from the US. She's developed her own delayed vaccine schedule that's often followed here in Australia. She's all about informed consent. And to me, this is the parents thinking about the decision ahead of time, the parents coming to some kind of consensus, ideally, and not a situation in which they show up for a doctor's visit, are surprised to find that a certain vaccine is due that day, and then quickly being asked to just sort of passively agree to have uh, the nurse or medical assistant give that immunization. So I'm aware of the schedule in the United States. Uh, the last time I was in Australia, it seemed like the Australian schedule was very similar, but I also knew that there were some incentives in place for people to follow the schedule, which included things like uh, access to state-supported childcare and education. So it's a matter of looking at the whole situation and not just making a snap judgment. 
And how often do you think parents do turn up to that regular checkup and uh, only to find out that your today is actually the immunization day? Do you think that happens in a lot of cases? Well, I don't think it happens much in my practice because of the way that we start talking about vaccines at the first visits. And typically when we end a visit, we'll say something like, now ordinarily uh, the meningitis vaccine would be due at the next visit. So I want you to do a little bit of research and think about that and talk it over with uh, uh, your partner. I will say that looking historically at many of the patients that I see in my specialty practice, which is Advocates for Families, which tends to deal with children who have autism or children who have complex chronic illness, I hear the same story over and over again, which is, I didn't really think about it. Um, you know, the nurse came in and already had the vaccines drawn up. It seemed like that was what was to be done that day. So I didn't really object. And again, I just want to emphasize this concept of informed consent. You know, if you had to have surgery, the surgeon would give you a piece of paper that explained the complications uh, potentially of the surgery that you're about to have. I think that physicians have maybe not done as good a job at really making parents informed about the potential complications. There is a vaccine information sheet that is prepared by the Center for Disease Control that does list some of the complications, but the CDC is in the business of approving vaccines for distribution as well as uh, informing people about risks. So there's a little bit of an inherent conflict of interest and people may find that the vaccine information sheets don't give them quite the uh, information that they want in order to make a good decision. So where do you direct your um, families to find that unbiased information in order that they exercise their informed consent? Well, I will say that I think it is hard to find unbiased information. So I think that the best we have at this point in time is to look at both the agencies like the American Academy of Pediatrics and the Center for Disease Control, who in general are going to be on the side of promoting vaccines and then there are several resources that families can look at that have raised concerns about vaccines. And I would like to make the comment that just because people like me are concerned about vaccine safety and informed consent does not justify us being dismissed as anti-vaxxers. So, for example, um, Barbara Lowe Fisher established an organization back in the 80s and 90s after her son had a vaccine reaction and developed um, some neurologic side effects that seemed to me, having looked into it, that were very likely to have been an adverse vaccine event. Her site is called the National Vaccine Information Center, NVIC, and that has a lot of data about 
the concerning side effects of vaccines. And she's very careful with her staff to post published research as well as legislative updates. Um, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny has a website in which she has done a lot of research about the potential downsides of vaccines. And that information is open to the public as well as some uh, training sessions where especially clinicians can delve more into the hardcore science. Uh, and then an organization that I work with, which is called Children's Health Defense, which was started by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And many people on the staff are friends and colleagues I've worked with for the last 20 years. Um, on that site, they have made a commitment to assemble the scientific papers that look at vaccine safety concerns. So those parents with scientific backgrounds or friends and colleagues who have scientific backgrounds can go back to the original science papers and to some extent make their own judgments about the course forward. I do think somewhere in this equation, it's good if parents have a clinician that they trust who can help advise them. But I do think that it is a matter of looking at both the pros and the cons in terms of examining the literature. And I'm interested in your comment around being labelled anti-vaxxers and I suppose that does do damage to families wanting to kind of seek unbiased information or not even not unbiased but but both sides pros and cons as you say it kind of it is damaging to those families wanting that information isn't it? Yes, and it's also damaging to the doctors who are trying to do the best for their patients because once they make statements that are publicized that they have some concerns about vaccine safety or that data from their practice suggests that too many vaccines given too soon all at the same time, may be harmful, uh, they tend to have their remarks labeled anti-vax. They tend to be called names and they uh, tend to have their reputations harmed. And in some cases, uh, they are investigated by boards of medicine with not good outcomes. Can we just first of all start by getting an understanding of who's in your family? Obviously myself, my wife, and uh, I've got two boys, uh, one's six-year-old and one, one's uh, nine-year-old. Max is a father of two and he's taken the issue of childhood immunisations very seriously. Certainly one probably easily probably the biggest decision you probably make for throughout your lifetime because um, I think as a parent, it's just this biological impulse of wanting to protect a child and, and to look after that healthy the child and, and just that's about just basically wanting a healthy birth and a healthy healthy child and all for all their, their prospects and so a topic like vaccination is um, incredibly maybe possibly sometimes maybe more polarizing but but certainly it is one of those topics that um is so important to take in as much information as much to take uh, uh, take on because that whole concept of it is there also developed to protect your child, to, to actually have your child protected from these, these uh, diseases and these, these, um, these challenges there. 
equally is something where we sort of need to, to investigate um, that process and is it also going to be uh, beneficial or, or is it actually going to be detrimental to your child? Either or, I think parents have the same impulse. They want to ensure that intervention is going to do something positive and, and, not, and, and not want any intervention to create something negative or, or, or a negative experience out of that as well. As a parent, why do you think that the, this issue is so polarising? It's a very good question. I don't honestly don't think I've got the answers for that. But I, I do think at the end of the day, it's coming down to the common denominator of having something that's designed to protect or wanting to protect your child at the same time, something that potentially can or, or does damage or cause challenges to, to children around the world. And so I think, I think both of them can draw equal emotions out when the topic is raised. And I think... I think as societal pressures have gone on, the way things have come in from sources of media and the medical communities or, the, or particularly more and more media strongly, um, there's been a lot that has um, created narratives or created ideas or created um, uh, very, I suppose, points that doesn't implant into people's minds that, you know, if you don't do it, then you're going to potentially have a risk to others and potentially a risk to other children. So when a parent feels that another child can be bring their child at risk of a very serious disease, if not death, it naturally draws out very deep and very strong protective or other forms of emotions there. Why is this such an emotional issue, do you think, Dr. Mumper? Well, I think that for a parent who took a child in for a well child checkup and felt that their child was doing very well and the clinicians seemed to confirm that they were healthy and developmentally normal and then they receive a bunch of vaccines all at the same time and the parent perceives that they change after that, I think that there is nothing more precious to most of us than our children. And many people will make the comment, you know, I would die for my child. I wish this reaction had happened to me instead of my child. So that is tapping into a very primal instinct, you know, maternal instinct to protect the child or the mama bear to protect the cubs is one of the strongest forces in the universe. And you don't mess with mama. And um, people's perceptions, I think, should be given the benefit of the doubt. Too many times if a mother says, you know, my child goes to the ER, for example, and the child has a high fever and a seizure. And the mom says, um, you know, we went to the doctor today and um, my child got five vaccines. You know, too often the reception that's reported to me is that clinicians may say to the mom, well, just because it happened today doesn't mean it caused this. This could be a coincidence. But many times the mother's gut or their instinct is going to be telling them, it seems like a really big coincidence, and I know my child better than you do. So that is part of what arouses emotions. Max agrees and says his quest to find out more about childhood immunizations began with his wife's maternal instinct. I think there's, um, there's something that has um, 
develop civilization more probably more powerfully than anything in that. And that's probably probably um, parental instinct, but I think probably even more close to maternal instinct. But I think that is the most underrated, and I think if science actually went behind maternal instinct to really understand how it works, is a, is a very very powerful indicator, and um, and that does bring up that very very deep, very strong instinct not to do that. More so with our first, not so much with our second. There's probably a sense um, in her that probably the second probably can go through it fine. We haven't done that that choice, but definitely the first. And I back this up as well because all the um, health complications that we even have, even though healthy diet, healthy qualification, we still have health complications with our first, and it's all immune-based. And, and despite um, changing, shifting diets and getting rid of glutens and getting rid of weeds and you know, reducing your foods and doing all these things, we still have a child that is just born vulnerable and, and can show that in, in the susceptibility to, to um, a whole series of, of allergy tests and the dust mites are through the roof and this is... So we know we instinctively knew this quite some time ago, and um, even before before birth, she felt that very strongly. Just we need to get this decision really work through. But she felt this much earlier on, much more than I did. I didn't quite cotton on until I really started to start having sort of deeper dialogues. So I thought, okay, well, let's start to explore and go down this path and start getting more information. But I think the maternal instinct is a incredible guiding force i think it um what one must must distinguish in that is that there's fun massive vulnerabilities uh, in, in parents and firstborn first parents the first children there we equally have this massive vulnerability that we're so fearful i mean i, I acknowledge my, my fear um just being fearful that the child come, you know comes down with something oh my god this is this, this could be meningitis or something like that i think and I really acknowledged my own, my own fear of having a, a detrimental health outcome. So I think maternal instinct is, is quite interesting because maternal instinct might say, I have to go in and vaccinate. That could be, I'm, I'm really fearful because I've been told that if I don't do it, my child will die. I've been told that children die if they don't do that. That can influence that or, or put seeds of doubt or, or at least you know, influence that sense of what we do do believe maternal instinct is all about. So I think it's a, it's a real thing. I think it's a very, very powerful force. Um, I think it can be influenced very detrimentally because we're so susceptible to fear and that can slow that instinct very, very you know, heavily there. Certainly um, in our case, that was a very strong guiding part that really as well as lightened me up to kind of go, I need to look into this. I think you've raised a really good point and maybe does go to the heart of why it is so emotive, particularly around childhood vaccinations. But for you, I guess the issue is is all around, for everybody, not just for you, the issue is around informed consent, isn't it? It's being able to look at lots of different sources of information and to make a decision that you're comfortable with for your family. So what was that process for you? What drew me into this um, whole, I suppose, looking into, the, into this area is probably a reflection of my own family and seeing the health vulnerabilities in my immediate family, my family history. And there is, there is a lot. And, 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 it, and it is a very, very high risk factor for my family. So immediately I was at this default position knowing that there's um, a genetic and also environmental high susceptibility my children, at least from a family history and health perspective, 
But I knew I had to, to look into this. I knew, I knew I could just default into this position of just go along with it and, you know, it should be fine. There's, you know, everyone tells me it's fine. The doctors, you know, enforce it. Everyone agrees that it's safe and things like that. I had to look at it from very, very, you know, differently at that time. And I think in my earlier years, I had a really, I suppose, unique opportunity because I built a very strong rapport through my sort of my, my job and my, my profession um, to have a lot of very close doctors and specialists and pediatric medical specialists that I built rapport in, in those in those years. And um, as I was sort of beginning to go down this path of exploring, um, you know, the risks and benefits and what is it all about and what really happens, I had the opportunity to have some, some really good open dialogue, almost friendship dialogues or almost professional dialogues with, with a, a series of medical professionals that I highly regarded and certainly were, were very good in, in their areas who actually told me something very differently from what I was hearing from the media. And, uh, and, and in their, their perspectives and maybe from their research or their, their, their scientific research or maybe from their clinical perspectives, we're basically seeing challenges and dealing with those challenges in their practice. And, and I certainly got to the point where I had to sort of, you know, I was open enough to speak about my family history and, I remember asking a question to, to a medical doctor and to say, look, if you're in a situation like this with what you know, and it was your child, what would you do for, for, for your children? Rather than kind of, sort of say, hey, make my, make my decision for me. And I was just absolutely shocked by the, um, let's say shocked, but I was, I was really intrigued that there were so many medical professionals, um, at least in confidence, speaking out about the challenges and, and the real detrimental side of, vaccination at that time that sort of just began to really open my mind. Where else did you go for information at that time given you had some knowledge about your family history? Look I, I, I was this type that you know and it probably you know it's probably a bit, a bit of my own personality once I'm sort of onto something and particularly as the topic is so paramount to make I just went everywhere I could there was um back at that time there's certainly a lot of lot of books and references uh, even, even again from some of those medical doctors what they recommend me to start to read and there was a lot of uh, published, you know, basically books with certainly well-renowned well authors behind them. Uh, I remember there was a book that had about 400 peer-reviewed scientific literature um, publications in it that, that I purchased from uh, that was sort of referencing, you know, vaccination. Um, there, was, there was a, you know, the vaccination-friendly plan for, from a, for a well-known American doctor. And, and really, I think there was... At that time, there was a lot of YouTube clips, particularly to medical doctors who were speaking about and actually showing, you know, and I was, again, being this personality type that likes this, I was watching presentations where they were presenting the scientific literature in their presentation and, uh, and going through it there and kind of going, gee, this is, this is all in the published literature. We're not talking about some obscure little, you know, someone's little opinion over here. Or this is all in the scientific peer-reviewed published literature. And I remember in those early days, um, both of these presentations, and just, there's something, there's an article in there that really intrigued me, and, and knowing how to access these articles, and I just went off and, and, and downloaded these articles and had a whole pile of them and read them separately, just read them there, and you can see the um, conclusions being made on those doctors presenting the challenges of vaccination and reading those kind of papers myself, and just kind of going, wow, this is, this is all here. Like, this is not, this is not something that... Um, you have to go out and find it in some obscure little published alley somewhere. Like, this is something rich in the published literature that's all there. Why aren't we understanding this? Why isn't this implemented into some medical system of information 
that we're receiving this and kind of going, okay, there's a little bit more to, for us to consider. So in the end, after you did all of your research, what decision did you make on this? With particularly my hiatus, there was, um, you know, there was, there was, there were birthing complications. Um, you know, you, you start out with this beautiful plan of natural birthing and, um, and, and the reality of the difficult birthing process turns individuals and everything unnatural, but, but you know, that's, that's the process there. But I think the, the decision is really, you know, well, for myself going through that decision was like, I, I really felt that, um, there was just a strong vulnerability with my family. And I think, you know, you almost have to look at it and go, I don't see my child being a typical child in, in public health policy. I see my child as being a very susceptible child. Uh, I can at least feel like I made that, uh, as far as that assumption or that um, decision based on that immediate family challenges um, that, that were there. And um, I really felt, and, and again, having strong medical doctors and other health professionals that are highly valued to help guide me through that sort of process, it made it very clear for me that I really need to pull back on this. And if I was going to do it, I have to do it on a much more smaller level or much more considered level. Um, at that time, you know, that was definitely an option that was put on the plate. Do we just take it a bit more slower? Do we just still go down the path but do it at a, at a more, maybe more of a slower way and just sort of assess, assess that. But, but even that decision is not built much in science. We really don't know, you know, whether even slowing down the vaccination process or my interpretation of science and what I've read, I know that process is still going to give you a favourable outcome. But I think in the end it was almost like, okay, you know, looking at the vulnerability and also equally looking at all the public health data, not say all of it in totality, but looking at the public health data and seeing um, the public health um, statistics showing that some of these diseases like measles and, um, you know, whooping cough and these other, other, other diseases were very much, the mortality, the death of them were well and truly established on the much decline before mass vaccination programs got put in place. It doesn't say that they went away. It just means children um, being dying from them were becoming much, much less. And you can see all this stuff and you have to evaluate what is Australia, what's Australia's risk to these diseases like and uh, what, what, were, what is the death count is. What would I do if my child does get something? How do I approach it then? And, and look, I think the end decision for me was never absolute. I can't absolutely say that this is always the best decision for my child. I can't absolutely say if my child went through a vaccination, they will have health problems. They could go through and come through fine. But somewhere along the line, you just got to make these decisions at these times. And, and put all that information up and just kind of go, okay, we're going to go down this path. We're going to accept the responsibilities for the, 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 the risk and, and, and potential benefit, or at least the risk for it. We're going to accept that. And we're going to go down this path and, um, and, and continue researching this area, continue looking into it there. So have you ever been faced with a situation where, where your child's had one of those childhood illnesses that the vaccinations are meant to be for? Have you ever been faced with that, that situation? No, I, I haven't. Um, I have spoken to a lot of other families over my time who, who have um, had a child who's come down with whooping cough or maybe, maybe more the chicken pox and whooping cough are the, probably the ones more. There's measles is a bit more, you know, it is a bit more, I suppose you say, rarer. I mean, you do get, um, you know, down less or young 20s, you go up to 
you know, the Thailands often coming back with, with, with issues at that time, um, you know, back the population. But no, we haven't had that. But I felt there has been like those circumstances when your child does become unwell and you have to, the challenge is you have to sometimes immediately jump to the conclusion this could be very serious. You know, you have to, you have to be all on very, very high alert. It's a very awkward and very uncomfortable feeling as a parent. You have to almost be checked. You check for rashes. You check for, you know, purple rashes or colorations. You, 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 you become very, very hypervigilant, which uh, is uncomfortable, but it's the position you have to take there. It's something that you kind of are doing ongoing research into. Is, is that accurate, that it's not really completely over for, for your family yet? I recognise I'm limited in my capacity to understand all of the literature, and I don't pretend I fully understand it either. But I'm always on this quest to really understand this, this sort of further because the environment's very hostile, and, um, and and I feel like I really need to at times feel for my own self worth or my own self need. If I'm ever confronted by a medical doctor, my child has to go to hospital or things like that. I feel like I need to, to really understand my, 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 my information. So at least I can have a, have a just an open conversation or, uh, or at least sort of state some of the concerns and be able to be very up to date with, with what, where I'm at sort of thing. If a child, you know, needs to go to hospital, they're going to be questioning or have you ever, have you ever experienced any of that, um, I guess that attitude, whether it be by a medical professional or, or anyone else for the decision that you've so far decided to take? Look, I've, we have times where we've had to take the kids to hospital um, for, you know, if like, you know, one had, a, had a, like a viral juice breathing asthma, asthmatic kind of element, which is quite common in kids, and having to take, uh, take, take the child in and, um, and, and you have, have the nurse, you know, in the triage area, the nurse is playing through all your records and, um, and um, they are so it's having, you know, the immunisation up to date. I, I, you know, not to be playing semantics, I often feel like saying, what is vaccination? Immunisation is another, another scientific term. But, um, but when, when you do sort of say, no, um, the child's, child's not vaccinated, you kind of get this double take, this double look. And, um, and, and I think sometimes there is a bit of a disconnect because um, I, I can present quite professionally and quite, you know, quite well-dressed and professional and, and I think there's sometimes a disconnect because I think some, either in the medical or elsewhere, often will look at you and just go, we just don't fit the profile that's been implanted in my mind for someone who doesn't vaccinate. You just don't fit that profile. Oh, but you must be one of those anti-vaxxers or you must be one of those vaccine-hesitant parents who, who just, you know, doesn't understand the knowledge base like we do as a community. So, so you sort of... Whether I'm getting that directly from the doctors, I must admit, I probably get more. Not respect is not the right word. I do get more. Okay, okay, you know, just an acceptance. Um, I mean, there's only one time that, that one of the uh, children did have a infectious eye condition, not related to you know the vaccination uh, diseases. To have a you know wanting to have it, have more more of a question, more more of a dialogue, and uh, which I was more than happy happy to to, to do as well, and. Um, and other than that, not that much. In the next episode of Between Clinical Minds, we continue the conversation on childhood vaccinations with Dr. Elizabeth Mumper, who details her altered vaccination schedule, and naturopath Amanda Howe.
Thank you for listening. We hope this podcast engaged and empowered you. And thank you to all of our experts. You can read more information on each of them on our website, bioconceptsengage.com.au. If you enjoyed this episode of Between Clinical Minds, please refer a friend and share the love. To continue the conversation, you can contact us at bioconceptsengage.com.au, where community is more than a concept. 